2 Corinthians 12, 20 and 21. If you would please follow in the reading of the word. For I'm afraid that perhaps when I come, I may find you to not be what I wish. And may be found that by you to be not what you wish. That perhaps there will be strife, jealousy, angry tempers, disputes, slanders, gossip, arrogance, disturbances. And I'm afraid that when I come again, my Lord may humiliate me before you. And I may mourn over many of those who have sinned in the past and not repented of the impurity, immorality, sensuality which they have practiced. Father, help us to hear what our brother Paul, the pastor of pastors, is sharing. Father, it would be our passion the body of Christ. Father, we would understand the process of sanctification that is dealt with through these last texts. And, Father, that we're looking at step one of repentance. Help us, Father. Help us by your grace and by your mercy to bring us to repentance where needed. Father, help us be sensitive to sin and confess it, knowing you are faithful and just to forgive it. Father, teach us. May we understand the urgency of the day. May we understand the situation of the church in our community. And, Father, may we understand to walk worthy of this great calling. Help us, Father. Teach us. In Christ's name, amen. I moved into this text last week, or the last two weeks. And basically what you have in verse 20 through chapter 13, verse 14, is one theme. Because I love you all so much and I knew how long it would take, I decided I'd break it up. What a considerate person. But anyway... What the Apostle Paul is trying to explain here, and we looked in chapter 7 of this book, that some of the Corinthians had repented. I mean, if you go look at it, that first letter is, was uh, terrible. But then there was another letter that was written called the Severe Letter, and we don't have that one. And I look at the first one and say, well, that one was a dandy. The Severe one must have been, like, noble. Okay, and so that's the way I look at it is this church has started to restore the relationship with the Apostle Paul. He had gone back the second time to the church and people made accusations against him. The people that he loved so passionately would not even defend him. All right. So this is what's in this man's heart. If we look at verse 19, he's coming out of that. and He says, all for your upbuilding, beloved. He's wanting to strengthen the church. And one of the things that you have to understand to strengthen a church, to see a strong church, it has to be a sanctified church. The reason that we are here is to sanctify them with truth. Your word is truth. I shared with you a comment. I've had a lot of people make statements about it. The church is not here to make you comfortable in the world. The church is here to make you comfortable in heaven. Because that's where we're headed. I'm passing through. It's on borrowed time. And the Apostle Paul understood this. And this church broke his heart. Crushed him. But he also understood this. That with the repentance, he understood that the false apostles that were in this congregation were still there. So what you have is a church that's in a transition And yet the false teachers are still hanging around. And all they do is whisper in their ear. I I have seen this. I read Paul and I know what this is. All I have to do 
is sow a seed of doubt. That's all you got to do. You don't have to have any facts whatsoever. Listen, this church in Corinth don't exist if Paul doesn't go. I mean, he birthed this thing, grew this thing for 18 months. And now, yet they all turned on him because someone says, oh, but we're super apostles. And it is that subtle, people. I wish it was more. But all they do is sow a seed of doubt. Sow a seed of doubt. I shared with you that I changed some lights fixtures down at a liquor store here on the south end of town. And somebody saw me coming out of the liquor store. And he ran around and told everybody, I saw him coming out of the liquor store. Well, I wonder why he was carrying a ladder. Well, everybody knows you buy ladders in liquor stores. Okay, I mean, but but they, that group took a handful of people and says, well, I just don't know. And you know what? The tragedy was is they never even asked me about it. All right, they left, took their toys and, and moved on. And I thought, you know what? Fine, fine. If they ask me about it, I'll tell them about it. But you can't, if they do that to me, look at what they do to Paul. I mean, this man birthed this church in an awful city. And they were lacking in no gift. He was with them house to house, day and night for 18 months. And then when he left to go over to Ephesus, they started attacking his integrity and his credibility. That's what he's dealing with now. He says, I want to make you stronger. But I also know that there's false teachers in that congregation. And I know that if you stumbled so simply the last time, you're still a sitting duck. That's what he's dealing with. He says, for I'm afraid that perhaps when I come, I may find you to be not what I wish. What happens if the rest of them don't repent? Well, it's simple. A little leaven does what? The whole loaf. And we'll be back to plan A. All right? He was concerned. He was very concerned. Because one of the things that happens in the process of sanctification is the lack of repentance. I know we don't like to hear that word. But I got news for you. I've already showed you that it is necessary for salvation. It's necessary for sanctification. And it doesn't matter whether it's Peter teaching it. It doesn't matter whether it's the apostles teaching it. It doesn't matter whether it's Paul teaching it or the Lord Jesus Christ teaching it or John the Baptist teaching it or the Old Testament prophets teaching it. It hasn't changed. And you have to be aware of it. And you know what? There's sometimes Paul told Timothy, you know what? If they don't come to repentance, maybe God will grant them repentance. Point it out to them. And yet, we can still be swayed by our society. We can still be moved. We can still be lured. We can still be baited. Our enemy Satan runs around like a lion wanting to what? Which means that there's meat out there. you got to understand, lion don't hang out. Well, there ain't nothing out here. No, see, Satan, when a person gets saved, Satan understands that he's lost that. But now let me make it useless. Okay, let it shut up. I don't want it to talk no more. And how does he do that? He tempts us. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Okay, they don't go away here. We go to heaven, we don't have to worry about them anymore. Okay, but they don't go away. It's a battle. 
It's a battle. Okay, listen, brothers and sisters, I shared with you when we went into chapter 10, chapter 10 to the end of this book is spiritual warfare, speculations and lofty things raised up against the true knowledge of Christ. It ain't little green men running around. It ain't little pitchforks and horns and devil's tails. They are disguised as angels of light. They look like pastors, seminary professors, elders. Remember, uh, on Wednesday night, we're studying 1 Timothy. He had already kicked two elders out of the church in Ephesus. And he'd already warned them when he left. Listen, they may rise up from among you. Okay, these are the kinds of things that I want you to be aware of. Do not think you're immune to this. All it takes is a seed of doubt. A seed of doubt. He was afraid that there would be strife in the church. There'd be jealousy in the church. There'd be angry tempers in the church and disputes in the church and slanders in the church and gossip in the church and arrogance and disturbances in the church. But I share this because we're not immune. Paul told a young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to read this to you because, again, this is a God-fearing man, Timothy. And it's a fascinating statement. Chapter 3, verse 1. But realize this. Okay? Now, this guy's been with him. He's out on his own now. This is the last letter. He's getting ready to get his head removed. And he's warning Timothy. Realize this, that in the last days. The last days started at the birth of Christ. All right? So, in the last days, difficult times will come. Okay, Paul, what kind of difficult times are going to come? You're in prison. How much more difficult can it get? Men will be lovers of self. Now listen, he goes through all this, and I've watched people do uh, theological yoga to say Paul is explaining to Timothy what lost people look like. But I have never seen a lost person who had a form of godliness but denied the power. Because that's what it says. Charles Spurgeon speaking on this text says, The lovers of self is the sewer pipe the rest of this comes out of. Lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. He's speaking of the church. What happens when people in the church become lovers of self? Every time. And that's what we were looking at. Unrepentant sin causes disunity in the body of Christ. Okay? And it does it every time. It does it every time. That first list that we went over last week, that is the disunity in the church. Okay, now I want to go to verse 21. Because we looked at last week, the disunity in the church caused by non-repentant sin, the problems that it caused. But now I want to show you what it does to the purity of the church. Okay, there's just three there at the end of verse 21. Who have sinned in the past and not repented of impurity, immorality, sensuality, which they have practiced. Okay, I've shared with you that the the city of Corinth was nasty to say the least. Socrates said 
he loved Corinth because there was bare-chested women climbing poles and spearing pigs. And I'm not sure what that all means, but he thought it was great. I know that if you were promiscuous, it was called to Corinthianize. And I know that they had a great Greek influence. And history says that Rome defeated the Greek militarily and Greek defeated the Romans morally. Okay? There are three sins that will destroy a church's purity. Okay? And they all deal with sexual immorality. It had already happened. Remember when we went through 1 Corinthians? Um, They were boasting that a man had his father's wife. And he says, even the pagans don't boast about that. All right? And yet, Corinthians were saying, look at what we're doing in the name of freedom and grace. All right? I also want you to understand something. You guys know I love history. And and I was just going through some notes that I had uh, this week. Sexual immorality is always rampant in pagan societies, specifically the Gentiles. Okay? You can go back through Israel's history, and you will find that there were times that they stumbled, but they never did it on large scales. You will never find a lot of Jews in homosexuality. Uh, They may do some wife-swapping stuff. Um, They would marry outside of their race, which caused them a lot of heartache. But you never see it because they have always had the Word of God, and the Word of God is really not as complicated to understand as everybody seems to think it is. Although I did read an article the other day on Romans 1. This guy was trying to explain that dealing with homosexuality in Romans 1, Paul was saying that if it was a true loving situation, that he's not saying that homosexuality is a sin. And I'm sitting there going, how in the world are you getting that out of that? Okay, but anyway, that's that's what we're we're in, in right now. But the pagans, the Gentiles, thrive on it. Thrive on it. All kinds of it. Look at the history of the Gentiles. We're good at it. We want it. That's what we do. The problems of non-repentance in the unity of the church. Now we're dealing with the problems of unrepentance and the purity of the church. First word he uses there. Impurity. Ecclesia. It's, it's a fascinating word. I'll give it to you another time. In actually Romans chapter 1 verse 24. He says, therefore God gave them over to the lust of hearts to what? Impurity. Same word. God gives them over. You know what it means when God gives you over? That's judgment. Your heart thinks this is what you want. Your heart thinks you'll be satisfied. Your heart thinks this is great. And what is it? It's impurity. And it actually, if you think about it, now he's dealing with a church. A lot of people come out of that lifestyle. And when you're coming out of that lifestyle, it's still back there. You still got the memories. Okay, but you are to renew your mind. Take every thought captive. I I wish it was more complicated, but it's not. Pray and read. Read and pray. And, And what I try to get people to understand, and what you need to grasp here, is that God's judgment is when you're given over to it. 
to impurity. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 says it's the deeds of the flesh. When he contrasts the spirit and the flesh in uh, the letter to the church in Ephesus chapter 4. 17 and following. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk in futility of their minds. Okay, now look what he says. Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorant that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. What does that look like, Paul? And they have become callous and given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. They feast on it. They feast on it. And they call it freedom. They call it enlightenment. And Paul says, no, it's darkness. It's foolishness. Do not walk as the Gentiles. Chapter 5, verse 3 of the same letter. But in immorality or in impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Contrast that to in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. It's the same, 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 same thing. And they're dealing with it. It's Greek culture and it's around the church and the church is buying it. Instead of the church affecting the culture, the culture is affecting the church. Go look at our churches today. We have compromised and compromised to the point right now, you know what? They don't think there's anything bad about us. I know people who attend churches today who are into the gay pride and the moving the gay agenda and are very faithful to their churches. Now, how in the world does that work? Well, if I go in and hear a rock concert, it works fine. It's a tragic time, brothers and sisters. And the thing is, is that what I see in Castle Rock right now is Corinth. It's Corinth right now. And you know what? The big tragedy is nobody seems to care. Let me give you a verse that's very dear to my heart. One of my favorite letters in all of Scripture is 1 Thessalonians. The first three chapters of 1 Thessalonians, if it just stopped right there, you're like, I want that church. Then people got it. Okay, but Paul comes back and he starts chapter 4 with, I want you to excel still more. And I'm like, wait a minute, Paul. <laughs> Look what you wrote in the first three chapters. I mean, that's church there, buddy. And he says, I want you to excel still more. So, you know, Paul, he just don't give up. All right, but I want you to look down verse 7. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. Okay, impurity is... I I did some studies on the Thessalonians, and they had... Very few houses had windows to the outside streets, and they had... Gates that you had to go through to get into the living quarters. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. But if you start reading about it, okay, it was a military garrison. It was a harbor and the Ignatian Highway went through it. So what do you suppose the traffic was like? Have you ever been around a military base? Where do you think the term red light district came from? Have you ever been around a harbor? That's the other side of the red light district. 
And then you've got transportation. Anything coming out of Europe going into the Middle East is on the Ignatian Highway and it goes right through Thessalonica. They had some art cut into stone that had as placards on the outside of their houses that is pornography. It is disgusting. I've seen some of it. You're sitting there going, really? Okay, these are the kinds of things that you and I have to pay attention to. God put a church right in the middle of that. And you know what? That church has never not existed in Thessalonica. The city has changed. I think it's called Saloniki right now. But there's always been an evangelical presence in in that area. Always. Why? Go read the first three chapters. Why? I want you sanctified. I ain't worried about your numbers. I want you strong. I want you to stand. I want when the deception comes, you can say, that's deceptive. I want you to honor the men that God has brought into your lives to teach you. I want you to realize what they did. They kept you from impurity. They kept you from these things. Listen. The word impurity has in its definition it's not normal. Did you know that? It is not normal to have multiple sex partners. That's not normal. That's what he's getting at. And yet, what do we throw at everywhere we see? I grew up with I Dream of Jeannie. Don't laugh. Do you know that the censors would not let you see her belly button? And you sit there, I go look at television now, and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe what I'm seeing. It's it's grotesque. And yet, we sit there and go, you know, I got, uh, I, I work on motorcycles, and I get these guys every once in a while to show up and want to sell me some tools. And they always got these goofy calendars of these scantily clad women with a socket set. She doesn't know how to use a socket set. Because if she did, she'd put more clothes on. I mean, he said, well, I'll give you that. I said, I don't want it. What do you mean you don't want it? I don't want it. That's silly. You're selling tools with somebody in a bikini. Really? No. It ain't true. I've seen them do that when with motorcycles. You go to motorcycle shows. And I'm like, you know what? There ain't no way you're going to get near that hot muffler with those bare legs. Okay? Or you're going to do it once. Next word that you see there in 2 Corinthians is immorality. Immorality. The word in the Greek is pornea. It's a word we get pornography from. It has to do with fornication or any sexual act that is outside of marriage. So, I mean, it's a, it's a very, very broad word. Back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. This is the will of God. I think I shared this with you guys in Sunday school this morning. This is the will of God. Everybody, anybody ask you? wonder what the will of God is. This is the will of God. That's what it says. This is the will of God. Your sanctification... That is that you abstain from sexual immorality. I remember one time, a long time ago, when I first started attending this church, uh, a lady, I, anyway, 
She was always in the church, always involved in the church. VBS, backyard Bible clubs, you name it, she was always involved in it. And she had a neighbor lady that, that had a daughter. And um, she came to me one day and she said that uh, she had accepted Christ and wanted to be baptized. And I said, all right, that's fine. And uh, then she graduated high school and she went off to college and moved in with her boyfriend. And she says, and I said, uh, well, you know, that's, that's not right. And she says, well, no, it is. I was like, what do you mean it is? Well, as soon as they had sex, God saw them as married. And I'm like, gee, many crickets. How in the world do you come up with that? And of course, she got mad and left the church. But where do you get that idea at? Uh, but, you know, you, well, I know she's saved. Well, she ain't acting like it. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to start a fight or nothing, but, you know, I know lost people who look just like that. And people don't understand that. Well, no, but I can. No, you can't. No, you. Why is it that <laughs> Joseph fled and left his coat? Okay. Why does Paul tell Timothy to what? Flee youthful lust. Why? Because you can't fight it. And your best bet is to run over the hill screaming like a little girl. Okay? Because then the lady won't be that impressed with you and you be safe to go. See, I'm looking out for you guys. I also showed you these in... Uh, Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. Listen, something I want you to remember that we forget a lot. Immorality, pornography, okay, fornication is the focus of pagan religion. Okay, false religions always has this underlying. Look at these guys, these Mormons who are into multiple wives. Okay. Why? Why? Look at the Muslims. They want multiple wives. Why? Why? We weren't designed for that, people. We weren't designed for that. We weren't made for that. If that was how it works, why do we have sexually transmitted diseases? You can't do that. You can't get away with that. And yet I watch people, you know, whatever. I remember hearing Charles Schuler saying, well, if you can't get your marriage to work, then divorce because you married the wrong one that God wanted you to have and go find the right one and marry that one. What? That's nuts. That's nuts. In Acts chapter 15... Verse 20, this is uh, what they call the Jerusalem Council. James comes up with a conclusion on this, dealing with the fact the Apostle Paul was reaching Gentiles with the gospel. 15 verse 20 says this, But that we write to them that they abstain from the things contaminated by idols and from fornication and from what is strangled and from blood. Okay? Why? What was the focus of the pagan religions in the Gentile world? Idol worship, fornication, and weird things with animals. 
There's things that you just got to watch. And the the Gentiles, we are good at this. We have a strength of this. We don't mind it. We accept it. Divorce rate in the pulpits right now is outpacing the lost people. Why? Why is that happening? They don't believe this? I don't understand that. How can that happen? How can that happen? Why? Well, you know, the grass is greener. No, it ain't still grass. Acts 15, verse 29. You abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. You see it again in Acts chapter 21, verse 25. Okay. But I also can take you back a few years ago to know that this was a a constant problem. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1. It's actually reported that there is immorality among you and an immorality of such a kind that does not even exist among the Gentiles. Paul was shocked at the foolishness of the Corinthians. Let me tell you something. This happens when you start listening to deceptive teaching. Deceptive teaching. And remember, they had come in behind the Apostle Paul and said, well, Paul didn't charge you. So he didn't think his message was worth anything. We'll charge you because our message is worth a lot. We are super apostles. We have letters of a commendation. Look at my paper. All right. These people know me. They sent me. And what do they do? They buy it. That's right. Paul couldn't even talk well. He wasn't much to look at. So why would God use that? What do you hear today? What do you hear today? There's a young man that I heard preach. He has cerebral palsy. Prayed with him at times. And I'm not. There's times I don't know. But I watch him preach. And and I mean, he's he's in bad shape. I watch him preach and it's like something happens and all of a sudden he's very articulate and he just lets her fly and then he goes back and and you have to really listen to if you're sitting and talking to him. But when he preaches, you're like, whoa, what happened? But he's not much to look at. He's not much to look at. He's got a great sense of humor though. They were wanting to do some kind of Bible run, some kind of 3K race, 5K race for to buy Bibles to send to somewhere. And I was like, hey, running nowhere. And he said, he looks at me and he can't hardly walk. You have to kind of help him carry. He says, I'll train with you. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> you want them crazy races. They were proud of their acceptance. Chapter six of that same letter. Verse 13, food is for the stomach. The stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet let your body not be for immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for your body. Do I have to explain that one? Pretty straightforward. He warned them, what do you do? Flee. Run from it. Get away from it. Don't play with it. You can't play with it. You play with it, you'll be, you'll fall. 
You'll fall. Then his last word there is sensuality. Now, you've got to remember something here. When he's writing this letter, he's thinking in his brain, hey, these false guys are still here. They're in a society that promotes sexuality. Okay? They've already thrown a bug in a bunch of people's ears that I'm not legit. All right? So he's not legit. What are you teaching? Well, it's okay to have multiple sex partners. It doesn't matter. You know, love is love. However you cut it. How do they do this? Because in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, the deeds of the flesh are sensuality. You know what that is? It's your senses. It's your senses. Why do they have perfume? Listen, that's it. And why do they charge so much? But anyway, that's another thing. But why do they have that? Why? It gives your... What's that smell? It doesn't smell like bacon. Okay? But why do they have that? Why is it if... Well, they don't have catalogs anymore, but they used to have catalogs. They used to get a Sears and Roebuck catalog. Why is 90% of it women's clothes? Why? Why is advertising poked at women? Because I'm playing with your senses. I want your senses. I want you to look. I want you to smell. I want you to hear. I want you to touch. I want you to ponder it. And Jesus said, you know what? It's what's in the heart that is sinful. And you play the emotional senses to make sure you've got it. Listen, this is killing the purity of the church today. I can give you a list of things that I've had to deal with every week with pastors in this church. And you say, are you kidding me? This isn't rocket science. This is who we are. The uh, church in Ephesus chapter 4, verse 19. They have become callous. You know what that means, right? It literally is, uh, if you've ever seen them brand a calf, what they do is they burn the hair off of it and then that, wherever that brand is, 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 it becomes a very hardened leather. And it doesn't feel anything anymore. You can take and stick it with a needle or a knife or whatever and the calf doesn't flinch or anything. They have become callous and have given themselves over to what? Sensuality. Sensuality. Listen, that's how the lost act. They let their senses take over. The sensuality, if you look around at us, uh, it's, when is a car sensual? And yet, I've seen them advertise, that new Jaguar, it's sensual. Dude, it's a car. Okay, not only that, it's a very expensive car. That breaks down like every car I've ever owned. Okay, but it, it's lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. And, it, and there's nothing's changed. It has never changed. I want to close with this because sensuality is very key in this day and age. This is what the majority of every false teacher I've seen deals in this realm. Every one of them. 
Okay, because I've seen some of them had some orthodox theology. They had at least read. Okay, but they play on the senses of the individuals or the group. Okay, how many times have you watched a false teacher get the congregation to cry, weep and laughter and all kind of goofy stuff? Why? What are they playing on? The senses. The census. Look, look at these things. When you feed the starving kids. They march out this little skeleton baby. And oh, I better send them a sawbuck. Or they'll do it with puppies. Or whatever it is. I'm playing on your senses. I'm playing on your senses. Let me share with you what Peter says about this. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Many will follow their sensuality. And because of them... The way of truth will be maligned. The way of truth will be maligned. Is that not true? Look around. Look around. What happened to the church down at Colorado Springs? Everybody's making fun. Well, yeah, but that guy was the head of the evangelical board of crazy people in America or whatever the group was. Okay, but I seen a guy up in Denver who came out of Dallas, great preacher, Started buying what they said. He got from, from behind the pulpit and I got him an easy chair and he'd sit and say, let us converse over today's reading of the scripture. And then from then he got busted with uh, some hookers. Solid, solid walked, had it there, did all kinds of cool stuff. And everybody said, look at this. But he started playing with the senses. And you know what? He wasn't man enough. Why? Because if he'd been man enough, he'd run. Hit a run. Verse 18, same chapter. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality. See how it works? Those who barely escape the ones who live in error. That's what Peter's talking about false teachers. Why? They're pleasing. They made me feel good. I had a tough week. I feel better now. And that's what they play on. They, they do it with lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. And it, it, it hasn't changed. And just in case, someone who hung out with Peter, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> Jude 4, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who have long beforehand marked out for condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our Lord into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Sensuality. There it is again. What is it? Plays with you. How bad is it? Well, Peter describes them one other time. And I'll just read it, and you can see how grotesque it truly is. Describing what sensuality looks like. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 7. And if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by sensual conduct of unprincipled men... You know what he's talking about? 
when the homosexuals wanted to rape some angels. That's sensuality. That's the same line, brothers and sisters. The same line. Listen, Paul had a fear that the influence of the false teachers that were still there in Corinth, they would fall back into their sins. And then the gospel would be maligned. Next week, we'll look at unrepentance, pain that is caused. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. But Father, as you have told Timothy, let us stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And Father, let us lay aside our egos. And if we have to flee, let us flee. Help us, Lord, to understand the unity of the church. But Father, help us to also understand the purity of the church. And that, Father, um, it is through sanctification, your word is truth, your word sanctifies, that each of us will grow to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. My Lord, my Savior, I praise you so much for your word. I praise you so much for the body of Christ, your church. And, Father, may each and every one of us here be found faithful on that day that our races are done. To you, my Savior, to my Lord. Christ, in Christ alone. Amen.